so far what we've seen is the, that Ramchal describes the components of the Bria of the creation in a certain structure he says that obviously there's a physical aspect of the universe the creation you know and that includes the sky the earth and so on you know that's obvious to us uh, but he also says <coughs> that there are also spiritual components to the creation itself what are the spiritual components so if you look from the top down there's the Rabbani Shalom, there's God himself and then there are what's called his emanations <coughs> which are Kabbalistically they're called the spheres so those are the emanations and they are really considered divine although we are not familiar with their nature but they are forces that are considered divine forces see now they produce <coughs> several fundamental components elements of the Bria the spheres which are the divine forces which God uses to create and they create different realities <coughs> you see um, <coughs> the uh, first reality that they create is Ilm Habo, the future world uh, they create the reality of the future world and that is the highest ilam that is the highest world that's completely spiritual but it's interesting that the type of spirituality of that world is really unknown it's much greater as we will see than the spiritual world of which is right above us in other words fundamentally creation is made of two different areas one is called the future world that's Oilam Habbo, which the spheres create first. And the second world is called Oilam Hazeh, the this world. And Oilam um, Habbo, of course, is the highest reality, which is ultimately the future world. <coughs> and the second world that evolves ultimately from the spheres is the highest would be, and it is spiritual, even though it's part of Oilam Hazeh, this world. In Kabbalah, it's called Atsilus. And in that world, the only resident really is the Rabbani Shalom. Not that, in other words, God resides in all the worlds. The question is, to what degree is He manifested or revealed? To what degree is the manifestation of God? So in Oilam Habo, that's the greatest manifestation of all. And that itself goes on infinitely in terms of what His manifestation is. But in Oilam Haza, um, there is a spiritual world called Hatzilas in which he also manifests but almost infinitely lower than the future world underneath that there's a world called Bria creation then under that there's another spiritual world called Yitzira formation then under that there's this world called Oilam Hasiya which again is divided it's divided to the Oilam Hashafal which is this physical world which is 13.7 billion light years and then it also has seven heavens which are spiritual even though it's Oilam uh, <coughs> and that's really the, the total of creation but then there's another world which is after our world okay which is called the Oilam of the Sitra Akhra it's the world of evil it's the world that is dominated by the Satan 
and all his minions, so to speak. Okay? So these are the different worlds that are created um, by the spheres, ultimately. You see, God created everything out of nothing, which means nothing coexists with God. He had to create everything. That's the God exists, but uh, nothing coexists with him, and therefore God has to create everything. So the first thing he creates, of course, basically, are the uh, spheres, his emanations. These, and these forces are what he uses to create all the other realities below, you see. Um, and uh, like I said, most people don't realize, but Oilam Habo, the future world, was created first. And then, then it degrades until finally you get to this physical world. Ultimately, <clears throat> all the worlds, the realities, will be reversed. And what it means to be reversed, ultimately, is that you're going to go from this world, which is the physical world, into a higher world, which is Yetzirah. We're going backwards. And the, uh, the world will then uh, retransform into Yetzirah, Atsilus, and then into Ilam Habo. So you start from Ilam Habo, and you go back to Ilam Habo. You see? And uh, in fact, if you think about it, there's a Sefer Bahir that says, if you want to say the future world, what, how would you say it in Hebrew? How would you say the world to come <coughs> in Hebrew? You'd say, Oilam Sheyovoi, the world that will come. What's this Oilam Habo? So the Sefer Bah says, Habo means that came. The, in other words, Oilam Habo is the world that came, that is the future world. See? So really it was created first, and then we are going to go back to that which was created first, and that's why we call it Oilam Habo, means the world that came. You see? So that's, that's interesting uh, what Oilam Habo really means. <coughs> but it certainly is the fact that God created all these realities. And the ultimate task is for the Jews, really, to retransform the creation back into its original state, which of course is the future world. That's really what the purpose of the Jew. That the Ramchal calls it later on, he calls it, actually he calls it before, he calls it zikoch, to purify the world. And that's really what we do. We purify the world, this world, by remo removing its physicality. And once the physicality is removed, it becomes spiritual. And then <coughs> it further retransformed so higher, higher spiritual until it turns into the future world. So what's important about that is if somebody would ask you, where is Ilim Habo? You would say, of course, Ilim Habo is here. Here. Except it doesn't look like Ilim Habo. It is Ilim Habo that has been degraded to a physical world. And ultimately, Ilim Habo is here. And we do that, the Jews do that, by retransforming the creation back from this physical world into Ilim Habo. That's called Zikoch. And that's what the mitzvahs do and, and so on. In any case, so that's what the spheres do. And uh, the spheres create the neshama, the soul. And the soul is an entity, a spiritual entity, that derives from the spheres. And it is an entity that will ultimately enter a physical body and be bound to that physical body. And uh, even though there's such a thing called death, I mentioned before, that death really is an abnormality. What God wanted is that the soul should re enter the physical body and never leave. 
So what would happen is, <coughs> is that the soul, the individual doing the mitzvahs, would actually remove the physicality from the body itself. So the soul would never leave the body, but it would have to remove the physicality, the materiality of the physical body, and then the body would ultimately become sort of like a, a sheet of transparent, which is completely t- transparent. But because of the sin of Odomarishan, the first man, therefore death was decreed, for whatever reason, and therefore the soul must separate from the body, go to a waiting station called Gan Eden, and then when it's right, there will be Tchir which is the re-entry of the soul to its body, and it will remain in its body for eternity, never leaves. But what it will do is retransform the body from physical and <coughs> in many ways it almost like dematerializes the body where the body becomes a clear transparent sheet of clothing whatever you want to say and then the soul completely dominates you see that that's what would ultimately happen uh, and so on and just like it happens to the body it happens to the entire physical universe uh, which is what the Ramchal says, you see? Uh, so we have the Neshama. What does it mean that the, in the end that the, that the goof will be a simcha to the Neshama? That the goof will be a simcha? For the Neshama. Yeah, because the Neshama will have uh, retransformed the goof into a completely spiritual, almost spiritual <coughs> state. So that is a simcha to the Neshama. Uh, and it's not only that the Neshama has done that to the guf, but that the guf no longer blocks the reality of the transparency of the neshama. Because a physical body blocks the neshama from doing what it can do. It's power. The neshama has an enormous spiritual power that really should have immediately uh, purified the body. But God decreed, Ramchal says this, that it can't, so therefore it can't. But by being in a physical body, the neshama, it's sort of like, it's all potential, sort of, but there's no actual. It can't, uh, what do you call it, uh, energize with whatever spiritual energy it has, and therefore, it, because it's not blocked. So it can't do that. So that's the second simcha, you see, that the neshama is joyful that the body no longer exists in its form. So it, it has helped the body in that sense. Uh, you know, uh, elevate itself. And the second simcha is that it is now not blocked by this material body, which enormously reduces and limits the power of the neshama. In terms of matregos, yeah? why is that a source of simcha? That's a removal of a, of a problem, not a source of a simcha. You know, most people, when they remove a problem, they're really happy about it. <laughs> That's what I would think, right? You know, people are happy when they enjoy something that they want. Well, they're happy when there's an obstacle that they, that's blocking them. So there's an incredible joy. And besides, you have to. There's also the that, concept that, that it's, it's, it's free a, will. But that means it's a removal of something that was a problem, not that it's a source. Of, that yeah, of course. Matter. Yeah, but it says that the goof is the source of the simcha. Well, yeah, because the the neshama, like it I said, it doesn't say that you're removing. The problem of achieving your simcha—that means the simcha is really originated from the neshama. But saying that the, the goof is actually the source. So what? What's its? 
What's its no, no, it's not. What's its contribution? It's not. It's not the. It's the goof is not the source, the, but the fact that the 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 nishama's interaction with the body is the source of enormous joy, because it has removed that physicality by its own free will. You see, and therefore that is a tremendous. That is a feeling of divinity, because only God is a true cause. But like this, the nishama is the cause of the removal or the changing transformation of the goof. And then it's also unblocked. So it's, it's a source of joy. That also helped to do the avoidance. What's that? Helped to do the avoidance, the work. The body helped the shaman to do the work. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, that's the contribution of the, um, uh, of the, of the body. Look, the real purpose of a physical universe, I think I said last week, is to block the nishama. Therefore, the neshama is forced to engage in a task. Without a gulf, there would be no task for the neshama. It is spiritual, and it's not blocked. But the physical universe creates a task, and the neshama has to, you know, get, you know, sign up for that task, so to speak, in order for it itself to be able to manifest its incredible power, <coughs> you know. But that's why there's a physical universe. Other than that, what do you need a physical universe for? You know, we can just have Olim Haba right away. Right? But you remember a long time ago, as I said, the concept of Namdik Sufa, bread of shame, that, we, that the only way the Neshama, uh, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but the main thing is that uh, the Neshama needs to have a task for which it will then feel that it has done a true action because of itself, which is uh, a free will, and, that, uh, and that's why we have a physical universe. You see, anyway, other than that, it's not necessary, yeah? In terms of madrigos, <coughs> there's the, the, the neshama enters the body with the potential to fully mizdakech the body. Mizdakech the, the body. Purify. The body. But it's stopped by kachbarachom and piecemeal as it does mitzvahs. Well, the mitzvah is the trigger, the trigger that allows it to, uh, to uh, um, mizdakech, purify the body. Right. So now that there are multiple mitzvahs, and there's supposed to be a one-shot deal. Yeah. It's supposed to be one-shot. Now that that failed, there's madrigos. So, yeah. <coughs> in terms of madrigos, a person only gets as much as he did. Yeah. So now you have a put a mouth, a mouth of the now you have a neshama with a potential of 100 <coughs> percent. But because in Olam Haza he only did 60 percent, so he's only allowed to use mizakik to go 60 percent. No, no, doesn't work that way. So how does it work? Uh, see, there are two key elements to this whole thing. The whole concept of removing an obstacle, which is to purify a physical universe and bring it up to the level of, of, of what's called Olam Habo, in Kabbalah it's called Adam Kadmo, in primordial man, Ak. Okay, so the first thing is to retransform reality. That's the first thing. And, what, and the reality that it wants to get to from this physical reality is Olam Habo. Once you're in Olam Habo, there's no obstacles anymore. There, it's a matter of how much God will you be dovuk to. You see? So there's two concepts here. Well, actually, there's three, if you want to really look at it. The totality of the, of the necessities to achieve, right? Uh, the first thing is to remove the tumor that exists in material, right? Uh, Adam Rishon Sin allowed the, uh, the uh, world... I can't do that, though. No. Wait, wait, wait. 
the the uh, sin of the the sin of Adam Rishon allowed the Satan to put its hooks into Olam Hazeh. So that's one thing. So therefore, there's a threefold uh, uh, events that occur. One is you need to remove the f the uh, tumor, the contamination of a satanic being, the Satan. That's tumor. So that's the job of Mashiach ben Yosef. The second job, right, is to remove the physicality. You see, that's the, and, uh, 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 to to change the universe from a physical universe to a spiritual, <coughs> and that is the job of Mashiach ben David. <coughs> see, but then you're left with a neshama, without with, with a body that is transformed, right? That is ilm habo, and then. What ca ca con so the world has achieved its tikkun. The tikkun is the changing of reality from a physical to a completely spiritual world, which is the ilm uh, habo. Then, but that's not what goes on in ilm habo. What goes on in ilm habo now is the attachment to God that each person will experience to the extent of his avoido, of his service. You see, so there are really three things. Remove the tumor, remove the choymer material, and then bring down the dvekas. You see, so bringing down the dvekas is 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 that which goes on in Olim Habo for eternity. That's What's that? And that's madrigas. Yeah, those are the levels based on your avoido. That to that extent you will experience God. So the neshama, this was the neshama feel that I could have got. There's that feeling. I mean, obviously, it must it must be experienced. In Shemaim, sometime, but in Olam Haba, after all said and done, will he still feel that kind of pain that I could have gotten more? No, because that pain would be with him for eternity. I mean, then then Olam Haba would turn into Olam Haba would turn into being a Gehenim. Right. Could you imagine being Gehenim if a person thought about what he could have done? And meanwhile, he's looking at the other guy. This guy's way up there. And he's although they're both experiencing tremendous. Don't get me. What they're experiencing in Olam Haba is infinite. But relatively speaking, this guy's you know, uh, so or else that would be an eternal Gehenna. So obviously that has to be removed, you know. And also, does anybody really know what the other guy is experiencing? You don't know. He may be saying, "Wow, this is incredible." But meanwhile, you're saying this is incredible. But you don't know he's incredible. It's greater than you're incredible. There's no way to measure that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because relatively speaking, it's just incredible. What's going on? We have no idea the joy, you know, that a person has in Olim Habo. We don't even know. I mean, they say, you know, there's an example where they say that, you know, if you took all the joy of a person's life, all the minutes of joy, right? That he experienced throughout his lifetime, right? <clears throat> and then you combine that with everybody else who lived in his generation. And then you combine that with everybody who ever lived. All that, that's pretty powerful, simcha, right? All the pleasure, the joy, right? Right, including the drug addicts, right? <laughs> right, or well, it doesn't make difference where you got the joy from, right? That wouldn't be equal to one second in the ilm habo. So how are we going to figure this out? It's impossible. <clears throat> you see? And that, like, like I say, you know, if you want to know the definition of ilm habo, right? It's infinite, uh, it's infinite joy eternally.
really all it is, you know. Now how do you combine the concept of this idea where we have our own personal experiential feeling of the Vegas with the bonus from the idea of being a Claudius Rao who should have some type of fully unified uh, experience of the bonus How does the individual fit within the cloud? Like the, I don't know what you mean. In other words, uh, all, all, all of each of individual is experiencing that, right? Yes. Well, that that's really so the so that's different. Okay, so you have so you have a cholesterol who has to do the tikkun. It's not an individual tikkun. Everyone has their own individual tikkun within the cholesterol. But yes. ultimately, cholesterol has a has an overall tikkun that he has to do. Yes. So where what's this interaction between the cloud and the individual in Omaha in terms of that experiential? Well, I mean, basically, what what justice demands is that each individual will receive individual joy reward right it has to be or else you're not going to you can now how does that interface with the idea that the cloud that's a different idea the concept of a cloud because it's because what the Russian created really is one neshama you see he didn't create although it looks like he created many neshamas in the beginning there was only one neshama and that was other Mauritian and what that neshama did is it split so therefore, each aspect or each neshama part, right, is mystically still one. It's really so the the, the what's called the mitzvahs, <coughs> the existence of the neshama is really one, which is uh, fragmented into millions. But even though they're fragmented, really they're not. In in the upper in the higher worlds, you know, there is no fragmentation. But there is, in terms of each fragment, getting its own reward. But in some way, you know, maybe the best way I can describe it, for everything that God does, there's always a physical, uh, reper uh, not repercussion, analog. analog, yeah. And I once said, what the, what's the analog of what I'm trying to describe? Where it's really one, the Nishama is really one block that has different uh, consciousnesses or individuality. Remember I once described it? Siamese twins. A Siamese twin is an interesting kind of Bria. Well, it's a human, a person's human. You know, where it's really one body, but it has different, two heads. So obviously they have to separate that, you know, and so on, you know. And sometimes they can't, you know. And then they have to make choices. Who gets the heart? You know, obviously, and so on. Whatever. But, uh, but a Siamese twin is really one person, right, that has two heads, you see. And really, uh, they are, so what are they? Are they two or one? You know, so you can think about that, you know. If it's really two or one. You know, if you have, sometimes they share a heart. They got real problems, you know. We all, there's one heart for two people, or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever they got, a liver, whatever. So what are we talking about here? You have two different people looking at each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, could you imagine a Siamese twin on a boat? And one of them says, hey, I want to commit suicide. You know what I'm saying? Which, and so the other guy said, well, you crazy? If you commit suicide, I'm out. Because we have one body, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that would be uh, sort of comical. But, um, <clears throat> and that's really the Jewish body. That's why if a person sins in one place, every Jew is affected. Because it's one goof, you see. So you're trying to describe there's a reality of chad, of one. That's true. 
but there has to be some type of distinct individuation even of the one and it is that whatever the difference in consciousness is each one receives what they did to the degree that they did it even though the Matthias is in some way that it's really one but that is that's a different uh, different what, concept what, what is anyway what is that one what is the neshama what is the neshama you you we, I, we don't even know what the neshama is how we know if it's divided we don't know what the neshama really is we do not know what its fragmentation is you know obviously it's, it's not i mean right now it's unanswerable you know regarding the neshama Das Tabunos, Ramal talks about Chelek Elokai, and he, but the... Chelek Elokai Mimal, yeah. Right, and, but the, uh, the English translation I have in the Sefer translates it as portion, not part. And what's interesting is the more Hasidic form like Tanya translated as part. And I'm wondering if the Ramal yeah. agree that there's parts of Hashem, because that would violate no. the Ramal. No, no, no. He would not agree. No, I mean, I don't know... Ram, the, uh, I once gave Ramchal who is God one of the ideas that we know about God is that he's poshut he's simple there can't be parts there. no there are no parts how many parts are there to the human many many yeah. try a hundred trillion oh, how's that sound cells, yeah. I mean there are parts 14 trillion, 14 trillion no a hundred trillion question is if there are 10 and the rest are bacteria whatever however they count it you know but there's at least 10 trillion parts in the human then when you have all, all the you know in the gut there's a whole ensemble of bacteria be trillions of bacteria and all that uh, just piggybacking on us you know so there's uh, we, we are 10 trillion parts it's incredible right but God has no parts He's God is indivisible. But anyway, about the Kabbalists who talk about there's five parts in the Shema. That's different. Okay, but do you think the Rampa would ever agree with that? No, of course he does. It's a Kabbalistically, of course. But anyway, I don't. I don't. I'm getting. Off, I'm getting off the track. No good. Anyway, um, yeah. So you have the spheres. You have the Neshama. Then you have what's called the transcendental forces, which the Ramchal, which we're learning, is called Koichas Nivdolam. These are transcendental forces. And what they really are is that these, th this is a, um, it's a reality which is a counterpart to the physical reality. Everything in the physical world has a chain or a spiritual part that is connected to him. Best way to look at that is a marionette. There's a guy on top with the uh, wood, the controller, then you have the marionettes. And the marionettes are completely controlled by the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, whatever, the device that controls their movements, you see? Uh, and so therefore, same thing. There is a control device. There are, we are replicated in an upper world, exactly. And if you move our, if you move yourself as you are represented in an upper world, you will move accordingly. You, you must move the way those things are, are situated you see so therefore um, therefore really uh, every physical object has a spiritual object which is its counterpart in a different dimension I've spoken about that okay now therefore movement can go either way when a person moves his arm for instance then the counterpart of that arm 
of you moves up there. You see, it's like a marionette. If the marionette was able to move its arm independent of the control device, then the string that connects you would also move, or vice versa. If you remove the control device, then the marionette will move. So, therefore, there is what's called, every physical object has an ex spiritual extension in another domain. Now, and therefore, what happens there, which I explained, is there's, a there's an angel, a malach, that is in control of every single control device. And the malach moves you based on a set of instructions that it follows. That's called nature, you see? So if a guy jumps off the roof, right, he will go down because there's a thing called gravity, you see? And therefore the malach will make sure that you will go down to follow that instruction, you see? No, I, well, I didn't get, I'm not getting to that. So, that's, so therefore it's important to recognize that every physical thing has a spiritual counterpart which is really that thing just stretched out into a spiritual universe. Okay? So um, therefore, and that is controlled by Malachim. <coughs> see? And which I had mentioned, okay? So you have the Neshama created by the spheres, you have the transcendental forces created by the spheres, and you have the Malachim, the angels which are created by the spheres, in order to uh, what you call activate those uh, transcendental forces, which is really you in an upper dimension. You see? So these are the fundamental components of the Bria, of how it works. So obviously there's millions and millions of details and so on, you know. But that's fundamentally the structure of everything. You're either a sphera, an ishama, a, a transcendental force, a koyach nivtol, you're a malach, or a shade, which I talked about, uh, right? And then there's a physical universe, and that's it. That's the whole bria. And then, of course, there's a rabbanachim, <coughs> you see? And all of this interacts, has that interaction, you see? Now, what the Ramchal also says <coughs> is that all physical things are manipulated or controlled by their control device. What do you call that, the marionettes? When you, they have a name for it, the, the controller, I don't know what they call it, you know. But all things in nature, everything in this world is controlled and therefore the force goes from up to down. The influence or the actual uh, dynamic uh, action starts from above in the spiritual realm and therefore every thing that starts from there must move in accordance with how that works, right? So therefore, anything that doesn't have free will must move based on the control device of the, uh, the Koyach Nivdal. So animals, for instance, they have no free will. So therefore the animal must move in accordance with the device and the one who controls the animal is the Malach. And he's got his set of instructions. You see? Now a miracle is when the set of instructions changes. And that's called an S. Because it's the, uh, you know, it's the constant, the regular uh, prescription, script, is called Teva, nature. Right? And if it deviates from that, it's called Nes. But it doesn't make a difference. It's always the same control. You see, nothing, a miracle doesn't change the manner of control. It just changes the script that the Malach reads. Yes. 
when the Ramban, the famous Ramban about that there's no such thing as nace, ultimately. So is he just using nace in a loose term? <coughs> the way you're defining nace is a set of instructions, a change in the set of the instructions. Correct. The Ramban, when he says there is no nace, ultimately, what he's just, all he's saying is that he's using the term loosely. That's my understanding. Sir. What the Ramban is saying, really, is that the reason why there's no <coughs> nace is because, because there's no nature. It's everything from a country. No, it's, but he's looking it's own script. All it is a script. You see, that's what he means. There's no such thing as miracle because there's no such thing as nature. There's no such thing as regularity. And therefore, a deviation of that regularity would be a ness, a miracle. Right. But if there's no regularity, that itself is, uh, you know, uh, is not because there's some type of in, in, uh, innate reason, scientific principle, then there's no such thing as miracle. Right, so he's, using, he's using a slightly different definition. My point is, is he using a slightly different definition, the definition that's usually used by people, as opposed to the definition that the Ramchal and you are giving. The Ramchal gives the, it gives the difference between Anais and Teba is the instructions. Are the instructions the same or different? That's it. The Ramban is looking at it at the way people more colloquially use it in terms of a natural phenomenon defined by scientific principles as opposed to something that's magical. So now it's, well, he's, taking well, that, he's taking that approach and from that point of view there is no such thing as teva as, a sci as something that's solely based on scientific principle. Everything's from a Kaddish Baruch. Correct. But the way that I'm, I'm just saying that the Ramchal is defining it slightly differently. So it's when I go back and tell people there is such a thing as teva and they say well the Ramban said there is nothing. There is no teva. I say well there is. The Ramchal says there is. Just he's defining it differently. Teva is from a Kishbaruch. So I'm saying the definition, it's, it's a difference of definition. The Ramban is speaking to, there's not that he's defining ultimately what Teva is differently, not that he's arguing with Ramchal, but he's, but people usually define it differently than Ramchal is defining it. People usually define Teva as something divorced from a Kishbaruch. Okay, yeah, okay, but let's keep it simple, okay? okay? Uh, People define Teva, nature, that there is a real, absolute set of laws, right? <coughs> that never vary or deviate, correct? And when they see a deviation, right? But they don't go into, you know, what causes the, the laws itself? What makes the law? You see, what, what makes gravity always act? What makes gravity altogether? You see, they don't go into that. There exists a set of laws. They call it uh, signs. When there's a deviation, it's called a miracle. Right. It's almost as if God has to interfere right. with nature. And nature is rigid, you know? There's some type of unknown, absolute thing called nature, you see? And God has to intervene, or inter, you know, intervene with nature, right? That's the way they look at it. That's called a miracle. But they don't understand. The miracle is not a deviation. Nature is not a deviation. It's all script. If the angel has a script to, to do this, that becomes nature. It's if the, you know, you know, it's, the frequency makes it nature. If there's a deviation, that when it, when it never happens, then that's called a miracle. But the whole concept of what is nature, there's no, so there's no absolute set of laws, you see. It's all the script and who gave the script? God. 
So everything is from the Barsham. But the Barsham says, okay, here's your instruction sheet. And the Malach will always follow that instruction sheet and manipulate the, your spiritual counterpart. Let's call it, your, let's call it your, your spiritual alter self, other self, you know. But when the Barsham wants, he's, you know, he can change the script. And all of a sudden, the Malach manipulates the, the spiritual alter self, right? And all of a sudden, you act differently, or anything acts differently. Now, the interesting thing about that is that, <coughs> right, is that the Rabbanu can change a script, yes? You can change a script because you have free will. You see, an animal cannot change its script, right? Whatever the angel does, you know, so if, the, if you walk in front of a tiger and the tiger decides to eat you, right, and so on, that's because the script says, that the Malach has to take this tiger and, and have you for dinner. You see? Unfortunately. However, wait, wait, wait. But the question is, does the tiger really have to eat you? No. It's only the Malach getting the tiger to eat you. Where do you see a deviation? By Daniel. Daniel. Daniel and the lion's den. Right? Right? These are a whole bunch of lions, right? And they hadn't been fed for a week. Right? So your chances were not, there was no chance that you would survive if you were thrown into that pit. Right? And so on, right? Donil went into the pit, and the, and the lion just, uh, when the lion just looked at him. Now, why did they look at him? Because the Malach, who had the script, had the, um, uh, the lions looking at him. They have to do what, the, what, the, what their counterpart, how it's uh, ordered or regulated. And the Malach does it. They have no choice. Because in all things that have no free will, the influence will always go from top to bottom. It's called Isarusa Delielo, movement from above. You see? So all things that have no free will, the movement will always come from above. For those that have free will, it can go either way. You can be made to move by the instruction sheet above which happens many times, or if you decide free will, then what happens is, Isarusa de la Tata means the movement is from below, right? And you move, and then your stuff moves up there, and the Malach just allows it to be accommodated. Only man who has free will can do that. So the movement of this Malach, either God can change the script, man can change the script, and that's called free will, you see? But there are other ways to change the script, which I had mentioned. You know, if you say Hashem, wait, if you, div, if you um, uh, um, have intention, meditate on a divine name that refers to that particular angel, you will change his script. You can also change the script. Not only by just moving around and doing whatever you want, right? But you can act, and that's, that's uh, uh, Kabbalah, uh, Kabbalistic, uh, Kabbalah. You know, if you knew the correct name of God, you know, you could change the script and that Malach would have to do what you ordered. Exactly. You see? That's why you can get things on this table to levitate, even though there's gravity. Because you will have changed the script for the objects on the table. So therefore, God can change the script, right? You can change the script by just acting with free will. You can change the script by meditating on divine names, you see? 
And that will order the mind, you know. There's another thing called Kishuf, and that's not good, where you utter, where, where you meditate on a Shem Tumor, a defiled name, one of the things that refers to the Sutton, right? You've altered that, right? And then the Sutton can order the Malach to change the script. So there's a lot of different ways of, of accomplishing miracles. But the key in the end is you've got to change the script. That's the key, and that works. And now, who determines the script? And the answer is God. He is the one who issues the commands, uh, you know, and he says that 99.99% that of the time, you've got to look at the instruction sheet. 0.001, whatever it is, right? I will tell you, you need to do this. So the mouth just alters the alter self, right? And changes you. See? And so that's the concept. There's white magic where you can alter the instructions of the Malach, right, by meditating on divine names, right? Then there's Kishuf, where you can alter the, the uh, Malach doing what he does, you know, not from uh, changing the, the working through the spheres, you're working through the, what's called the Zoyim of the Sultan. You see, that's called Kishuf. That has bad repercussions. Because when you benefit from the Sultan, then he has a claim to your Neshama. It's the old story with the uh, devil of Daniel Webster. I think who's it written by? You know the one with Charlie Daniels. Who who wrote that? Charlie Daniels. Who? The devil with the golden fiddle. Well, that's the famous Faust. I mean, Faust was the uh, you know the original. Uh, the famous song also, the Charlie Daniels. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, There's a, somebody wrote a book called The Devil and Daniel Webster. With the Daniel, I think it's Daniel Webster wrote the dictionary, or whatever, where he made a pact with the devil, you know, that he would have a great life and all that kind of stuff. It's a whole you know. But, uh, but the opera Faust is that, that Faust made a pact with the devil. And in the end, the devil wants to come and take his soul. And somehow, I think he gets away with whatever, you know. But th that's, that's the concept, you know. But in other words, the Sultan can also influence the Malachim by his Zoyamo, by his projected force. And he also changed the script. That's the key, you know. Different things can change the Malach because of the arrangement which is the altar self, spiritual altar self. That's why it can all be changed. But in ultimately speaking, there is no absolute rule. It's all ness. Or I should say there's no ness, there's no nature. It all depends on what the script is. I'm sorry, I have to respectfully disagree. I think the Maral says that... If you disagree with me, it can't be respectfully. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> the Maral says there's a natural order and it's, it's perish on the Haggadah, there's a natural order, and Hashem's will that this order is... Well, you're, you're not disagreeing with me. Right, well, maybe I'm not. The natural order is a script. Right, but the natural order, Hashem is not going to normally want to deviate from the natural order. But you're not disagreeing with me, right. I, I didn't but say no, that. Oh, I just said that the... He could deviate, but he's not, he doesn't want to. That's, I think what yeah, I'm not talking about what he wants. Well, what he wants, Teva. Yeah, but I thought it's a Teva. There is a Teva. So not, if, if I drop this pen, it's, it's falling according to Newton's so laws. You, that's Hashem's will. So you're not, you're not arguing with me. Right, right. But I'm just same, same thing. Um, so therefore, the, um, the way things happen. Now, the question is, why did the Rebbe make that script? Right? So of course, he did it for a reason, because... That script is the, is the greatest way that he can uh, advance the tikkun process. That's why. Now, how and why, you know, obviously, there's certain things we can understand. 
But there are many, what are you going to talk about? Actually, in the next parak, there are many things we don't understand, you know. Why are there uh, 300,000 species of beetles? Not beetles, species of beetles, right? You mean if there was 299,999 species of beetles, this world couldn't exist? No. Uh, that, that kind of wisdom we can never even begin to understand. Why there are 7,000 <coughs> species of ants. You know what I'm saying? It, you know, it, it, and, and w the interesting thing is that, and Darwin noted, only man is only one species. This is the only organism in existence that has only one species. Every other organism has many species, thousands of species. Only man has only one. And of course, the is, why is that so? Nobody ever solved that problem. The answer is because, uh, you know, because, you know, God only wants, there's only one mankind and that's it. But, and so on, you know. Although, people have looked at some other people and said, this guy is not even human. It's not even, he's not human. I mean, some, some of the acts that are committed, it's beyond, beyond uh, measure. So. Or cavemen or something? You know, are those considered human? They don't have to solve No. <clears throat> There's a medrash, you don't realize something, but uh, which came first, apes or man? So Darwin said apes came first and then man. But the medrash says man came first and was changed to apes. Because of Hatun. Yes, the, especially the two Kufas. Uh, in the time of Chase, the medrash says that one third of the world was destroyed. And in the time of Noach, you know, where every, every, uh, uh, after the Noyach, what the Barsham did is he changed many neshamas, because even Goyim had neshamas then, still do, but, you know, and he changed them into apes. Koif. It's amazing. So therefore, that, that's why an, an ape, uh, you know, gorillas or apes, whatever, that's why they're so human, because really they were human, but the Barsham took away their Tzal Malokim because they were part of the Chatoim and so on. Uh, I think by the Doha Flogo, and he created a. He made them into apes, you know. So, it, so ev wait. So in evolution, it's the reverse. The Torah evolution of Torah is th there was no such thing as apes and like that. It all came from man. Man was for Adam Rishon, you know. And according to Darwin, of course, it's the reverse and so. But anyway. But Rishi says the animals were created for man, doesn't it? So Who? No. No. Yeah, we don't. But we don't know which animals. Well, apes are animals, so... so no, no, that, that doesn't answer the question. Apes may be animals, but who says those animals were created? They could have been absent. It's only later, by man changing into apes, that you have apes. There, was, there were animals created, obviously, but who says apes were among them? No contradiction, you see. But the Medrash says clearly that they became koif, apes. You know, that was one of the oinshim, I think it was the Doha Flogo. Uh, you know, and so on, where many, many people lost their Tzalem <coughs> and they became apes. Anyway. What does it mean that the Sutton has a claim to your neshama? If you, because the rule is that if you give somebody credibility, you, that means you recognize their existence. Once you recognize their existence, then they have a connection to you. So what happens? So when you recognize that the Sutton has power, that forms a connection between you and the sultan, you see, okay. and therefore he has a claim on you, in the sense that he's that connected to you. Yeah. Um, good question. Is he lost? Maybe. 
doesn't do tshuva? Maybe. You know. That's one of the reasons why you can't use Kishav. Because then you connect to the Satan. Because all power comes from the Satan. You see? I mean, all, you know, the, the, you know. Kishav part. The Kishav part, yes. You know. And white magic is perfectly acceptable to, to meditate on the divine name. It's, it's not Asa, but you have to know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Well, what is white magic? When you meditate on a divine name, okay? When you take, well, what? For every act that God does, there is a divine name. For every act that He does, there's a divine name. So, in other words, that name is refers to God, Rabbanu Shalom, as insofar as He did this act. Now, if you, if you knew the names and you meditate on it and so on, then the Rabbanu would do that which you are meditating on, that act. So it's called Majbiyah Malachim. So if you know the acts that God does, remember when Dubanshim does, he also does that. He gives the Malach the instruction, manipulates your alter self, and bingo, it happens, right? That's how he works. But if you, made a, if you meditate on a divine name, what that happens is Dubanshim issues, sends forth that force that, that makes the Malach do the script based on what you want. It's called Majbiyah Malachim. You are forswearing an angel by releasing that divine force which forces the angel to manipulate that altar self in accordance with what your directions are. But maybe it is now, that is not good because Malachim don't like to deviate from their task. So, if you don't know what you're doing and whatever because there are conditions and so on, then it's very bad news. There was once a Maisa, the Baal Shem Tov, with somebody else, I think it was also Adam Bashem, whatever, and they were doing something, this, and they, they knew what they you know what to do and uh, how to do it and so on, you know, and all of a sudden, um, this was in the night, they were using it, and I think the Bashem, if I recall the story, the Bashem said to the other person, "We need to stop. Do not fall asleep. If you sleep before dawn, you die." Whatever the case was, you know, and they both had to stay up the whole night. About five minutes before dawn, the other guy, you know, it was the, the, the other one, you know, he closed his eyes for a minute, and he probably fell asleep, you know, for what, 15 seconds? And he died. So you have to know what you're doing. They get, Malochim get very perturbed if you interfere with their, uh, you know, regular actions. But what's interesting is that how you do is, not. How is that a malach? You do not wait. It's mida connected mida. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, but what? What? Uh, let's see. Sorry. I forgot what I was going to say. So, um, so any, anyway, there's a disturbance of something because you're interfering with its normal task, whatever. Um, but. I forgot. I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, uh, one second. Ah, I got it back. Um, therefore, what's interesting is that to do this kind of magic requires no kedusha at all. Anybody can do it. 
It's like a mechanism. You just have to know the divine name, how to meditate, and so on. And then it's done. It doesn't require any kedusha, which is interesting. You see? Uh, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a spiritual mechanism to do things without using the normal way, which is to, in, uh, to uh, uh, intervene in the physical world. You know? It isn't the Bay Room. Somebody creates a pot of gold using these names. And they say, I don't want to work. I'm just going to create a pot of gold. So maybe they're doing the Bay Room because they're, they're, they're bypassing the Teva then. Yes, that's true. So it could be a Bay But it's not Kishuf. What's also is Kishuf because then you are using the forces of the Sotan. That's different, you know, and that's Kishuf. You know, that's different, you know. But to use the Kabbalistic forces, which is really is, is not also. You just have to know what you're doing. But you can't play around. There's a book, it's written by Ramosh Zakuto. Uh, who's one of the Rebbe's of the Ramchal. He wrote a book, it's in two volumes, and you can buy it in a store. You know? It says how to do all this. It says how to uh, become invisible, cure any disease. You can also, t uh, t uh, you know, control anything. You can disappear from here. and go, you know, whatever they call that, I forgot. Uh, you know, so tell what? Yeah, but you know, real, you know, you really disappear and you go, there's names for everything uh, that you could uh, meditate on and, but there's a whole bunch of requirements, you know, you got to meditate on a name, what the name is, then you got, many of them have to be written on parchment, when you meditate on them, some of them have to be written on a deer parchment, it's hard to get, or some uh, written on, you know, regular parchment from a cow, and so on, you know, there's all kinds of instructions. In fact, I think I said last week or two weeks ago that Moshe Rabbeinu meditated on the names that was on the Mate. And that's how he did it. You see? In other words, in the end, everybody uses that mechanism called the altar self with the uh, uh, Malachim and so on. That's, that, because, because the universe can be controlled through its divine altars. You know, it's... Uh, it's uh, it doesn't uh, make sense that we should be allowed to do that, though. I mean, just, Nobody's going to do it anyway. <laughs> You're not going to do it, you know. Well, but anyway, that's... Masmes, you can't use the shame of Hashem if you have two masmes and you have paraduma. What was that? You said that you don't need a kedusha, but we have two masmes. Yeah, yeah, if you, if you can meditate, but if you, if the, if you touch a, a mace, it won't work. It, it was, it, there's a story where, uh, who was it? I think it was Rabbi Nechuni Ben Akona, who was a, a Tana. He wrote the, uh, before Luchadoi, the... <coughs> But um, that uh, he was meditating and he, whatever he was doing, and he was um, in another heaven. It's Ruach uh, HaKodesh. And for some reason, I don't recall, they had to ask him something. So they took a beggar from a nido and they touched him. He instantly woke up. And they knew, you know. <coughs> but it's true. You, <laughs> but you see, it's different because that was Ruach HaKodesh. And what happens is you meditate and you ascend to another, your consciousness ascends to another world so they could wake him up because you can't do that if you're Tomei, you know. Um, probably this also you can't do if you're Tomei. <coughs> it's probably the condition of the name, the Shem. It won't work if you have Tomei in you and so on, you know. But anyway, it's a whole book and it's got a lot of stuff.
Uh, but uh, it's all about this. It's how to meditate on divine names and as a result of that, interfere or intervene with that structure. You see? Uh, that's, that's really what... And, and this all comes out of what Ramchal is saying, that there's an alter universe, spiritual, which everything in this universe has a counterpart. It is controlled by Malachim, right? And that's called Teva, what's called Ness. We now understand how Moshe Rabbeinu did the Nisim, how many miracles, that's white magic, what black magic is. You know, it's a whole, you have a whole sheer on what all this really is. But like I say, it's all based on that one concept called the altar mechanism, the spiritual mechanism, Kuchat Nivdolam, that everything has a counterpart. So what's this of a Malach you try to manipulate them? What was that? You give the instructions to a Malach to, to go beyond that <coughs> function. Why does he come back and take revenge? Because he's really Mitzuvah by the Ramonishan on him not to deviate. Remember, you, it's not that God is telling him, you are telling him. But meanwhile, that is going contrary to what his, uh, his assignment is. You see? And that, and that, it's not a matter of emotions. It's a matter of you are, you are disturbing my assignment. You know what I'm saying? And therefore, in a certain sense, I can disturb your assignment and harm you. You know, in other words, you are, you are forcing me to deviate from my assignment. I will now do something to you that will make you deviate from your assignment. And that means harm. You see what I'm saying? So therefore, uh, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm just explaining the mechanism. And the mechanism has repercussions, in, as you see, in many areas. How things, how miracles work, and so on. You know, that's how it works. You know. So all these people are like Rabkal or Bashem, they make sure not to come across to Masmais? Yeah. They would, well, they can't remove to Masmais because we don't have the Paraduma. Right. But obviously, this type of magic can work. It can work even without? Yeah, or else it wouldn't work, you know.